Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Ginny Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Do you wish you had a toolkit to help you with your leadership, especially at times when things just don't go the way you want them to? Well, we found the expert out there who actually designed and created the powerful human-centric leading toolkit. On today's podcast, our guest, Eleni Pallas, the founder of Leaders for Good, challenges Ginny and myself to utilize a toolkit to solve a hairy virtual leadership problem. You will enjoy Eleni's enthusiasm as well as her beautiful and easy-to-use leadership tools. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host Mitch Simon on the West Coast and on the East Coast. Coming in from Cocoa Beach, Florida today is Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. How are you, Ginny? I'm terrific. Thank you. All right. So Ginny, can you introduce our amazing guest today? I can. And today we are thrilled to have Eleni Paulus, who is the author of several books that cover the concept of human-centric leading and leadership. She's a change maker who helps leaders to seek more effective ways of creating change in themselves, their organization, and society. She writes books, coaches, leads, and speaks to very large audiences. She has traveled and lived in many places, her favorite being, given her Greek name, the Greek Isles. Of course. <laughs> Which island is what, what I want to know? Corfu comes to mind right now, but there are many. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. Well, Eleni, let's start with what have you learned over the last tumultuous two years? How have you changed? What have you seen? You know, it's been an experience. Yeah. Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to be with both of you and your listeners. In the last two years, I think I've learned to be much more careful of the way I spend my energy and time. I want to be impactful. I want to focus on what matters and not get drowned in like inbox emails or things that may use and drain my energy, but not really create the impact I want. So that's what I've been focusing on in the last two years. Yeah, I find myself saying, wait a minute, why am I doing this? <laughs> and exactly. is it going anywhere? Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. true. Well, yeah. let's get right into this concept of human-centric leading, which I just love, you have a whole series of books. And the one that's my favorite is the toolkit one. I'm partial to toolkits. <laughs> but how did you even begin this journey? Why were you writing these books? What's the purpose? Okay, great question. So it began in my first career, which I was in the corporate world in strategy and business development. And I was traveling around the world to what's called developed and developing countries, seeing very different business models like in China, Russia, India, Brazil, Europe, US, all these very different models. And I was noticing the same team and leadership problems. So I'm like, okay, note to Eleni, why is that happening? Then I decided to change my career to focus on these workplace challenges because I saw so many people treated 
like or those little pawns on the chessboard. Like there's a merger and acquisition. Okay, you go there, you move there. And like people are like, wait, I'm an adult. Why am I not being treated with my own power? And then when I became an executive coach and I started looking at the internal world and listening and looking at thought and feeling patterns, what I concluded when I looked at a problem and then say, okay, what creates it? I go backward and backward over 10 years. Okay. It's a long process of honing this in. Mm -hmm. I realized there's this one thought. One thought is the root of these different symptoms and problems. And I see the thought is we as humans are only as good as our achievements or assets. And so we're treated in the workplace as replaceable cogs in a wheel. Yeah. And then that's the way we act. And so when we're treated as replaceable cogs in a wheel, how do we feel? What do you think we feel when we're treated that way? I feel like a replaceable cog in a wheel. Not valued. Not valued, maybe disrespected, maybe defensive, right? Like, oh, I have to defend my image, my right. ideas. So I'm going to be right. You're going to be wrong. And I'm going to get into a survival mode, a self-protective mechanism to protect my job because I need a job mm -hmm. and I want to do stuff in the world. And so then that creates the climate we have, which really creates the recurring challenges. So when I saw that, I'm like, hold on, is that true? And I started using it with clients and I would say, okay, client, you have a problem with people. What if you stopped you seeing them as titles or job functions or people who should do this and that? seeing them as people who come to work trying to do their best, wanting to do their best, but making mistakes, what happens? And they're like, of course, I just ask what happened instead of blaming and instead of assuming that I hired the wrong person or they're not good for the job or that I can't get what I need and I'm at risk. Instead of creating all this blame and fault, we just ask simple questions because we assume that if we're hired... We're enough. We have the smarts. We have the skills. We may know I have to learn this. I have to get better at that. But I'm awake. Like we come to work and we show up as being treated as whole humans with emotional needs and unlimited potential. I love that emotional needs because that is at the heart exactly. of your five lenses. That's the heart of human-centric leading. Yes, yes. And it's where a lot of leaders don't want to go. In fact, I've had leaders, I'm sure Mitch has also, who, well, that's what I hired you for, to do this, to do that, right? Not that I have to do anything differently in terms of treating you as a person. <laughs> Why is it hard? Like I commit to doing X, Y, Z, and then I don't do it. Like I am off with the time or I'm in the wrong Zoom meeting right. or something's wrong. Instead of saying, okay, Eleni's not right for the job, you could say, what happened, Eleni? Yes. What obstacle happened? And then I could tell you, well, I was in the wrong Zoom meeting and I was waiting. In other words, we can assume that there is good reason for everyone's behavior. Yeah. Instead of assume, no, they're wrong. I love that. Yes. There's a reason. Now, you may disagree with that reason. It is your job now as a leader, especially in virtual and hybrid, to find out what so then you go down the right path. Exactly. Well, I want to jump into the model and I'm going to give a little overview. So in this model that when people are trying to address a thorny issue in the workplace, 
they should and can attack it by using this more human model. And this allows a person to parcel out and then bring together again a more elevated perspective using the questions, using the mindset to get to a healthier and more productive result. So could you give us an overview of what those lenses are? Yeah, I love the way you summarized it. I love that. So thank you. I would start by saying, okay, human-centric leading is a mindset and a way of affecting change. So it doesn't negate anything else we've learned. It's just saying, let's now get into our highest potential, like the mindset that reflects our best, and then work from there. And when we see other people as people, we don't have to defend each other. We can be open, but be accountable for the problems, for what we do, for what we say. And it's all a better environment. So the five tools, I created five, not six, not four, because I worked over years, and I mean years, (laughs) owning, do we need that? What would that give? And so it has the fewest number of tools to speak to the most amount of interpersonal and intrapersonal challenges. Right. So, for example, a lot of times we show up at work stressed. We're stressed from the last day. Even if the last day was Sunday and we were supposed to be relaxing, we're stressed. And when we're stressed, we are in a default mindset, meaning we're habitually reacting. We're not thinking, right? Think of Kahneman's think fast and slow thinking, right? It's like... Immediate. And when we're immediate, we're not being present and we're not really seeing what's happening in this moment. We're using a habit from yesterday or 20 years ago. And in a time of uncertainty, we need to be present. There are a lot of things changing that we haven't seen before. So if we have a way for us to move from being reactive to responsive, meaning I choose the way I respond, Mm -hmm. I thought about it. We need a tool. We can't just be in meditation for, you know, a long time. We need a right, quick tool. Right. And the mindset tool gives us that. It gives us a pictorial image and it says, okay, what do you have to think to feel calm to then respond wisely? And I like in your toolkit, it is a graphic and your graphics are marvelous, by the way, they're original and you can follow it. So the first one, which you have explained explicitly is mindset. So I first have to choose the mindset. And then what are the other? And then the other is, okay, what are the context I'm in? So in other words, instead of saying leaders do this. No, remember situational leadership. Each one of us uses discernment Mm -hmm. present in the moment and see what's happening and respond to that. What we often do is like you were saying early, I hired you to do it, do it. Mm-hmm. If it's in the midst of an M&A and nobody knows their jobs, I don't care. I asked you to do it. If it's in the midst of a pandemic and we're shifting from in office to virtual, I don't care. Most people don't think, don't realize how we humans are affected by context. And if we have one that helps us, you know, be at our best, we can be resilient to all these problems, but not if we're treated as replaceable. And for each of these, by the way, you have a lovely series of questions. So questions that put you in the right mindset. Yes. So then we have my favorite question, your emotions. Yes. Yes. The emotions tool. Now the next three emotions, wisdom, and needs tools support our mindset. 
The emotions tool brings our humanity back into the workplace because we're human because we have emotions. I'll be that bold in saying that minimalistic comment, but when we use our emotions, we are more altruistic, open, and flexible. The question of, okay, if I'm going to use my emotions as data, it means I trust the evolutionary value of emotions is that we can't be that wrong. It's not like one of those, you know, appendix, right? Oh, you get rid of it or not. It doesn't. Yeah, we really don't know what it's for. (laughs) (laughs) But when we start to look at emotions, just as data points, they give us more information as to what are we thinking. Right. Look at data. I love that. And that's how you can convince your most obstinate leader. Hey, it's a data point. Exactly. You can also say to a leader, would you like to start gathering some data points that are invisible in the model we have, but they're in plain sight? When you know how to see them, you can see them. Oh, that is so true, especially on a Zoom call. What emotion am I staring at? It doesn't get too intense. If we're seeing emotion of stress, we don't have to be therapists. We're like, okay, what could be causing it? And we have a conversation. That's right. All right. Now, what is needs? I found your questions on needs because we often don't know what our need is in this thorny situation. Exactly. So the needs question is, what do I or what do we need to feel good about what we're doing and be resourceful? That's the question. The inner needs reflect what motivates us as humans based on the Mm -hmm. mass hierarchy of needs. And of course, most of us in workplaces have food and water and belong and shelter. So I didn't include those. I include we need to feel important. I've been hired. Do I matter? Am I safe enough to say something without fearing my job is at risk? Yep. So safe. Included. Yeah. Inclusion. Variety, growth, and contribution. When we know that those motivate humans, We can realize people aren't lazy. They may not be motivated because they might not understand the meaning of what we're doing. And so it kind of helps us assume the best of others and ask, what do you need to do your best in Uh, this messy situation? I love your questions and those categories because they help center. You don't go off. You go, I'm not feeling valued right now. Exactly. So now how do I respond? Or I see that person not feeling valued. Exactly. I I love how you really studied the different emotions. Then you have access wisdom as the final one. What's that about? So that's about, you know, when we get stuck, when there's stalemate on a team and everyone's arguing but going nowhere, (laughs) we need new perspective. We go above to the Acropolis, or some of us who want a more modern view, the penthouse of an apartment, see something from an elevated point of view, and then we're a little bit more detached, and we can see things without judgment. Okay. And that helps us also detach from some emotion, because emotions come up when there's judgment. Yes, yes. And then we can see different things and access new ideas, access new insight, and then we can respond wisely. I'd love that one because I said, oh my gosh, I would almost like to go there first. Like, how would a wise person react to this conflict? (laughs) Then that brings the right emotion. What is the need? Okay. So to review, we have choose the right mindset, meet your needs, find out what they are, questions the emotion, access your wisdom, and keep it all within the right context. 
Context is in the middle. Give us an example. Okay, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a personal example. Let's say our boss named Mary, we write an email and we request a meeting for a performance review. And we get no answer. One day, two days, three days. And then the meeting is on Friday and we want to ask for a promotion or get more ready for a promotion. And we want something, we get nothing. We're getting mad and more and more angry. So that's the anger. We notice ourselves getting mad. Instead of reacting from anger, you know we're going to say and do something we're going to regret later, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Instead of reacting from anger, we're like, I want to respond as a wise, intelligent person I am. How do I do that when I'm angry? I start to question, okay, hold on. Before I move forward, what am I concluding about her? I'm concluding she doesn't care about me. Mm-hmm. She knows my meeting is on Friday and I'm stressed out. She doesn't care. I've already dehumanized her because I made her a person who doesn't care. I don't even know the reason she didn't respond to me. She could have broken her leg and she's in the hospital. I don't know. Or wait a minute, Mary, I want to stop because you have these wonderful plate benchmarks in your process in the toolkit where, hey, maybe she doesn't care. And then you have a decision to make. You have these many decisions to make along the way. I love that, by the way. I just wanted to point that out. Love that. And then we say, whenever we conclude she doesn't care, I need her care. I say, what do I need to feel better? Mm-hmm. What do I need to feel good? I need her to respect me. I need to be sure she's going to support my presentation for promotion. And then you start to think, how do I fill those needs for respect and safety? Mm-hmm. I make a plan. I may have to ask her and she says no. If she says no, what could I do? I could ask her boss, my colleague, I don't know, have some other plan. If I need respect, how do I respect myself? Responding wisely is a good way to respect myself, right? Not like writing a zinger of an email. Oh my God, I have to delete it because I'm so embarrassed. Especially in today's age with virtual. How many zinger emails are going all over the place? Exactly. And so when I start to say, okay, I can feel good this way, then I start to feel better. And I get into a better and more resourceful mindset. And then I could say, okay, if I'm in a resourceful mindset, I'm at a penthouse, I see this happening. It's just, she didn't meet my expectation. That's what really happened. Yeah. I don't know if she cares or not. And that doesn't need to matter so much that I can't be resourceful. I can meet my own needs. And I can say to someone who doesn't respond an email, what do I do? What's a wise thing to do? A wise thing is maybe write another one, maybe call, maybe stop by if I can, but maybe wait until she responds and talk to her like five minutes. You know, there are choices that I then have that I can thoughtfully respond to with dignity. So I contribute my own dignity and I support my own self-respect. Right. In fact, when you follow a model, it allows you to make much better choices. Exactly. And how to deal in the situation. You can do whatever she wants. That's on her. But how we respond is what's on us. All right. You were going to take us through a typical issue that often arises and ask us the questions of the model. Okay. So I'll talk about a challenge with Eddie. He has a team and they don't talk to each other. They communicate through email, but there's so much conflict and distrust that they don't even say hello and good morning to each other. All right. Now, let me take this another level. 
Let's okay. say this is on top of that virtual. Okay. All right. So they meet. Okay. It's gotten so bad that all the emails are so long, nobody reads them. And the clients now see the bad results. It's gotten that bad. What's going on with your team? I'm not getting what I need. Okay. So what if we use a mindset of there's a good reason for everyone's behavior mm-hmm. and we're choosing our mindset, what mindset could we choose when we start to think or respond to this p- problem of a team conflict? Well, one mindset would be, because it always works, is just curiosity. Beautiful. You know, like, huh, wow, this is sensational. This is wonderful. What an interesting puzzle. Well, I love the phrase, isn't this fascinating? That's it. Isn't yeah. this fascinating? And well, I always, you know, because I think a lot of what you're talking about is personal responsibility. So if I'm Eddie, I'm thinking, huh, isn't this fascinating? What have I created here? I've definitely created what could be a mess, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I, that's where I would go. I'm always going with, isn't this fascinating? What is there to discover here? Okay. And those two thoughts, how does that make you feel when you're in a state of curiosity and fascination, both of you? Well, what I love, Eleni, is your one question, what choices do I have here? Because most of our mindsets are dysfunctional. I think what a lot of us do is we catastrophize and say, oh, I know exactly why this is happening. And of course, this is the end of the world versus what I love your question is, well, what choices do I have here? Well, I could get all messed. I could get all upset. I could also not get upset. And I can blame. I could blame. I could blame myself. I can blame them. Exactly. So when you start to say, I am curious, I'm fascinated, you feel good, free. right? You feel, you feel freer because there's more options available. You're free. You're yeah. not blaming yourself or anyone else. And then you're more likely to ask what's happening instead right. of saying, you know what's happening. Now, I'm going to stop you a second. And I know you have a roadmap and you can choose any of the five lenses. I now have a need to go to need. So now I'm going to say, so how fascinating. What's my need? Answer my own question. And Mitch, maybe you could jump in. I want more of a community. I want people to be talking. I want there to be interaction. I want to see faces on Zoom where they're engaged my needs to make me feel connected to this whole organization that I'm supposedly leading. Yeah, there you go. Mitch, what would you do next? I love that question. What do I need? Because it moves me out of, gosh, I'm so angry because hopefully I've moved from anger to curiosity. But what do I need? Yeah. Which goes to kind of like my big why. Do I need people to talk to each other? Maybe I need to see myself as a good manager. Oh, that's kind of getting in the way. Ah. Um, Right. Very good. Versus, oh, what did people think about me? Versus what I need is, I need everyone to just get along, you know? And, <laughs> and that's the simplest thing, you know, because I just need them to get along. Yes. Yeah. And then you can always trace it to six basic needs. I matter. Like, this job is important to mm-hmm. me. It means something to me. Or maybe I'm saying, I need this job to feel good about myself. Well, that's mm-hmm. dangerous. That right? is a very dangerous thing. So it's, we start to yeah. get to know our beliefs and our thoughts of what we think we need. And then we right. can be aware. Right. And when we're aware of how we're showing up in a meeting, it usually goes better. And you've already done it. Name the emotions. Mm. By naming the emotions, you say, then decode it. 
Exactly. And what direction yeah. might that, you know, take me down? Yeah. And then the context, as you say, this is yeah. a work situation. I'm the quote unquote boss. Yeah. What's my responsibility? It takes you down this wonderful graphic roadmap that you have. And I found it very helpful. Triggers the brain to go into these five different layers and then hopefully faster and faster and faster. It becomes fast and that becomes the process or the practice. It's like, ooh, how fast can I notice I'm not in my highest mindset? I'm not choosing my mindset. I'm reacting. Right. And then when we use those tools on us, we go to the meeting and we say, hey, we may talk to Eddie, talk to each person individually. Right. Said, what's happening? Why do you think we have conflict? What are you contributing to the conflict? What would you like to see happen? What do you need? There to- you go. That is so powerful what you said. There's a difference between the question, what's how wrong? can we make these meetings better? Right. Versus what do you need? Exactly. Ooh, that's rich. And then you know, if you see low attendance or low participation in a meeting, maybe everyone feels it's not needed. It could be, right? Because one of the examples you have in the toolkit is a woman goes through this entire thing, has a difficult situation in her work environment, and and does, goes to wisdom, handles it professionally, and in the end still sits back and realizes, I'm out of here. (laughs) And that's, again, I love those benchmarks. Okay, now you've done this a lot in all these different organizations. What challenges do you have? You know, leaders trying to make this happen. Yes, okay. One obstacle that is common is someone says, I don't see people like replaceable cogs in a wheel, even when they behave that way. They have a low self-awareness and they're like, no, you're the one who's Uh. not me. And so people who are unaware, they need two things to become self-aware. Some difficult thing from the external world, getting fired, an accident, an illness to like say, okay, what's actually happening? Or they could be shown through someone who they trust and respect Try it, a mindset. Okay, you're doing this. What do you have to think to do that? What do you feel? And then they get to know themselves a little more, which will require a trusting relationship with a coach, with a colleague, with a boss. Right, wonderful. This whole COVID thing in 2022, looking at it, has been one, for some, much larger part of leadership than I thought, has been one of those big, huge things that have caused a lot of leaders to say, wait a minute, what I've done forever ain't going to work right now. Being able to give them this model is wonderful. What I notice is with COVID, I think a lot of people became clear on what do they need. And for a lot of them, was what I don't need is this job. What I don't need is my bad boss. What I don't need is this team that doesn't talk to each other. Exactly. And so I'm out. Because in this entire conversation so far for half an hour, I was thinking about the person who never figured out what they need or never figured out what emotions they're having or never figured out what frustrations they're having. And I do think that perhaps Mm -hmm. now we're in a better place to, you know, when we're all on a call on Eddie's team and (laughs) talking to each other to say, Hey, you know, we're not talking to each other. What do you need? You know, I think people are more aware. I I hope to say, well, I certainly don't need this. I do need to feel like a human. I do need to feel like you care about me. 
Um, I do need to not be on this call because I need to get my work done. You know, all those types of things. Yeah, exactly. And what I love, uh, what attracted me to your whole model is the fact that it is a gift to help them get over this hump. They know they need something like we did today. Let's use an example, obstinate leader. Yeah. And how you normally go about it. I wish I had it. I'm just thinking of this not too well conversation I had with a leader. And I wish I had it because it would have been just the right key. Our obstacle is seeking perfection. I have to be perfect. I have to be in my highest mindset all the time. And if not, I'm not doing it right. I'm not good. No. Human-centric leading is a process. It's a practice of coming back to our highest self and showing up at work, at home, at the bus stop, anywhere from the person we want to be. And we practice it and we get better instead of look for no mistakes. I love that one. I actually have leaders come up with three or four things you say on a regular basis that will come to your head when you make a mistake. Like, whoops, erase that. You know what? I just took us all down a rabbit hole. Let's climb back up and start over because you're going to make those mistakes. Exactly. Okay, so we love these five areas. Tell us. How do people get in touch with you and get a hold of these books and roadmaps? They can look at my website at leadersforgood.net. They can email me at ep at leadersforgood.net. And you can go to Amazon and look under human-centric leading and you'll see the five toolkits. Mm-hmm. And then you can buy the overview and then buy the rest and start applying it or Call me and we can start to support on an individual or group level, team or organizational level. That sounds great. So that's leadersforgood.net. I want to thank you so much, Eleni, for a really great model that I think would help and benefit humans at work and at the bus stop. I want to thank you, Jenny, as well for another incredible podcast. And I want to thank our listeners. We just hit 100 podcast episodes. Yay! So this will be fabulous. Well done, both of you. Please share this amazing podcast with your friends, your colleagues, your family. And we look forward to seeing you on our next episode of Team Anywhere. 